It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Another day, another loss for the Toronto Raptors, this time 98-91 to the Memphis Grizzlies at home. On today's show, I'm going solo to talk about my big takeaways from the game. Injuries continue to be a huge culprit in the bad play for the Raptors, the offense in particular really bogging down last night. We'll talk about why. And the bench guys who have an opportunity here with said injuries are really not grabbing the bull by the horns. We'll run through where these guys are struggling, why they're struggling. Do they have a chance of gaining a rotation spot once the Raptors reach full health? Plus, the dude of the game for last night's game against the Grizzlies, there is only one man we could talk about here today. That's coming up in the final segment of today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Stick around. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1069 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December the 1st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, please subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, all that good stuff. The podcast is available on all your favorite podcast platforms for the low, low price of On The House. So please, again, subscribe, follow, do all the things you do on the apps you like to support the podcast. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Much appreciated. We're up at like a 1,200 subs, 1,300 subs almost. Please jump on in there. It's a lovely little time. You get to hang out in the comments. You get to see my face every day. Please go check out the YouTube page over at Locked On Raptors. All right, on today's show... It's just me talking about a loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. We are going to dig into where things went wrong once again as the offense looked as bad as it has all season long, particularly in the first half. Injuries continue to plague this team. We'll get into why that is still very much the biggest culprit here for the recent run of poor play, as boring as that might be. Plus, we're going to talk about the guys who are decidedly not taking the bull by the horn, seizing the day, trying to wedge their way into the rotation once the team is at full health. We'll run through some quick hitters on those guys, and we will close things out with the dude of the day. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at Truebill, who are the ones bringing you today's episode. is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and you can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep with Truebill. I love them. Go check them out. We uh, talk about Truebill all the time. I love them very much. They're a wonderful, wonderful company that are going to save me money. It's absolutely going to happen. Uh, All right, let's get into it, shall we? Biggest takeaway for this game is, again, the injuries continue to be the biggest reason for this team's struggle. I know it's a boring thing to say. Maybe it's excuses or whatever, but it's undeniably true. They are currently missing OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., and Kem Birch. That trio combines to comprise 
two of the team's three best shooters, including two of their best catch-and-shoot guys who are able to work as outlets for Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and the like. They are missing their best screener in Kem Birch, who obviously is far and away the best screener they have on this team. It's not even close, and he is like it's – it's not a, a sexy skill or anything like that, but it's a certainly valuable one when you run pick and roll, when you're doing anything involving a big man. Having a guy who can actually make contact with the defender, which is the whole point of a screen, it's not happening right now because Kemper is not available and Precious Achua is just not doing that whatsoever. You also have the best uh, sort of like around the rim sort of garbage bucket finisher, best offensive rebounder on the team missing in Kemberch. And all told, you're missing three of the team's six best players. You're missing two guys who can create their own shot and Gary Trent Jr., who has been this like balm for the offense all season long. He's not available, and that's a huge loss. OG Ananobi takes the pressure off of Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam having to do everything. I know no one wants to lean on injuries as the crutch as to why things are not going well, but it's true, and it's what's happening. And last night, Pascal Siakam and Nick Nurse both talked about how difficult things are when they don't have those three guys available. And it's only amplified by the fact that none of the guys who we're going to talk about coming up in the next segment who are getting the opportunity to see minutes right now are making good on them, except for one who we'll get to in the dude of the game later on. And I'm pretty sure you can already predict who's that going to be. So, you know, Pascal after the game was talking last night about how, you know, there's just not enough space out there right now. It's just a really compressed situation and not having guys like OG and Trent out there just as outlets is enormous. It's really hurting the way things flow. You know, you have Precious Achua out there, not spacing whatsoever. His defender just does not care about him no matter where he is. And oftentimes, he's just kind of floating in the middle of the floor. He doesn't roll to the basket with any sort of, like, precision or anything like that. Once in a while, he'll go up and catch a lob from Fred Van Vliet. That's great, but he doesn't do it nearly enough. That's like one out of every ten rolls, something good happens there. And more often than not, he's just kind of standing in the way and plugging things up. We've gone back to this a lot, the whole concept of just knowing where to stand and how important that is in basketball. Precious Achua is not doing that right now, and uh, we'll get more into him in the next segment. But he has been really, really rough. Last night, I think, was the most damaging game he's played as a Raptor so far this season. You know, Nick Nurse spoke about how the opposing defense is just packing the paint, packing the paint against the Raptors. And, you know, this was especially true last night with Steven Adams, who is paint bound and is going to be around the rim. And Jaron Jackson Jr., who, God, he was really freaking good last night. It was a fun battle watching him and Pascal Siakam go at it. Siakam got the best of him a couple times. Jackson got the best of Siakam a few times. It was a great matchup, but a really difficult one for Pascal to go up against because of the size of Jackson. He's kind of deceptively huge. Uh, Michael Grange, I believe, reported last night he was walking through the tunnel as Jaron Jackson was getting weighed, and he came in at 267 pounds, meaning he's got like 40 pounds on Pascal Siakam. It was a difficult matchup that Siakam actually fared reasonably well in, I thought, even though Jackson had himself a really big night. You know, it was a fun one. It was an interesting duel throughout the game, but when you don't have bruisers you don't have enough size you don't have you know like the combination of a lack of any sort of interior presence and the lack of perimeter shooting you're just going to be constantly kind of running into that wall in the paint and credit to pascal siakam he did a good job in this game of finding shooters he had five assists in this one probably could have had more which has been the case for pascal the last couple of seasons plenty of potential assists that just you know end up being bricks you know, I have no problem with the way Siakam attacked the Grizzlies defense, but it's just the reality is that it's a very difficult setup when you're walking into a team that you know is going to collapse and you know your perimeter shooters are not really going to make them pay for it 
it's a difficult way to walk in and be like, all right, we're scoring and this is how we're going to do it. It's a really insurmountable thing to, to come up against every possession time after time down the floor. It's really tricky right now. Um, you know, I think it's it's nice to say next man up, right? Like, it's nice to say, oh, well, next guy's just got to come in and shoot. Well, guess what? Svima Luke is not as good as Gary Trent Jr. It's just a fact, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. Delano Banton is not OG Ananobi. As much as we love Delano Banton, next man up has its limits. And with the way that OG and Trent kind of complete, and Birch kind of complete the way this team is set up, it's just really difficult for them to get anything going when they really sort of are centered around three guys right now. It's Pascal Siakam, it's Scotty Barnes, it's Fred Van Vliet. And everyone knows it's those three guys. And so every defense is ready for that. It's really difficult to manage. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes are all really, really good. Pascal is, you know, not a clear number one, obviously. We've established this. This is not a debate anymore. He's probably more a soft one slash number two on a really good team. That's okay. Fred Van Vliet is obviously overextended as a number one ball handler. As fantastic as he's been this season, he's six feet tall, and sometimes teams are going to throw length at him and make things difficult. They're going to throw Dylan Brooks at him and make it a nightmare night. That's what happened last night. It's just how it happens when you're six feet tall. And Scotty Barnes is riding the wave as a rookie, right? He's got a lot of amazing flourishes. Every third quarter, he takes over for six minutes. It is fantastic. And then sometimes he has boneheaded plays and he throws it to Chris Boucher on an outlet pass, you know, not really realizing who he's throwing it to and maybe not setting the team up in the position to score in transition, even though he is doing the right thing and getting out, he's not really sort of key on, oh yeah, that's Chris Boucher. Maybe I shouldn't be giving him a one-on-one -on -one opportunity down the floor. You know, that kind of stuff, the sort of erraticism with, with Scotty Barnes's playmaking sometimes is coming through. Nick Nurse spoke last night about how, you know, he's been kind of up and down. You're seeing the peaks and valleys within every single game at this point, which is what you expect with a rookie who's getting as much sort of playing time and burden that he is. But those three guys, as good as they are, they're not Nikola Jokic, right? Like, it's not something where you can just be like, oh, yeah, no, they're just going to be, um, you know, they can carry this team. They can put the team on their backs and make it all work. I have a little graphic here to kind of describe the phenomenon here of, like, comparing the Raptors with the Nuggets in terms of injuries. Because, yes, everything is, oh, the injuries happen for everybody, right? It's just everyone deals with it. It's just how it is. Some teams are better equipped to deal with them than others. The Nuggets, for example, have this sort of centrifugal force that everything revolves around, who can carry the team regardless of who is kind of on his back. He can make it happen, and they can be respectable and win half of their games. The Raptors don't have that. They are more of an egalitarian setup, and it's no slight against Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, or Scotty Barnes that they're not Nikola Jokic. It's just the reality that we're living in. Here's an example. So, look, if you look at this here, you've got – this is the Nuggets situation – you can rotate these little pipsqueaks in around. Nikola Jokic is going to be fine. Then here's the Raptors. They're all kind of the same. But when you take two of those guys out and you swap in two guys who are little pipsqueaks like all of the Nuggets teammates, you end up that team going up against the Nuggets, who are, of course, loaded with Nikola Jokic, no, regardless of who the pipsqueaks are. There's always going to be a disadvantage when you don't have that you know, top star and that's okay. We knew that about this Raptors team. This is nothing new. Nothing has changed about the complexion of the team. It's just the reality. And it sucks. It's boring. It's not like it's any sort of grand vision of, oh, this basketball team, you know, they're failing because of this profound failure. It's because three of their six best players are not available. And, I, you know, just looking at Nick Nurse last night, hearing him talk, 
he was kind of despondent in a lot of ways. And it really looks like he's just waiting for his guys to get back because he knows there's a good team here. This team has been almost enough, has had almost enough juice to win a lot of these games lately. They've been in close until crunch time where it kind of slips away. And it makes sense considering how much these guys have to carry. Pascal Siakam is awesome. But sometimes he's going to get in foul trouble, and that was a problem for him last night. It was not great, not ideal, considering the circumstance. You just can't afford that. You needed him out, needed him out there, sorry, for more than the 30 minutes he played. He just, you know, that, that's got to be something he's smarter about. That was a rough time. He missed a couple of threes in crunch time yesterday. And normally those mistakes, those glaring things, don't always come back to bite you. But when you have this, this little margin for error... They're always going to come back to buy you because they take your margin for error down to zero. And that's what happened for the Raptors last night. It's an unfair burden to put on Siakam, Fred, and Barnes to have to be perfect all the time. But that's kind of the situation right now. And it's not being helped because the guys behind them in the pecking order are not lifting their weight whatsoever. And we're going to get into that in just one second here dive into how and why the rotation guys behind the top three in this current setup of the team are just not getting it done. We'll dig into who maybe still has an inside shot or, you know, a, a shot at making it into the rotation once they're happy, once they're healthy. We'll get into that in a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Indeed. The Raptors might be looking to hire more players, baby. They need some guys to fill in the back part of the rotation. Whether you're hiring for your basketball team or hiring wherever, you need Indeed. It is a hiring partner that gets you what you really want, a short list of quality candidates as fast as possible because you can do it all. Attract, interview, and hire all at Indeed. It is unbelievably powerful at hiring, and you can attract, interview, and hire all of the candidates that you just want. You want to have quality. You want them to meet the specifications you want. You want them to be able to hit open threes when Pascal Siakam passes to them. You can test to see if your candidates have those qualities within Indeed. It partners with you on every step of the hiring process. You can find talent with the skills you need through tools like Indeed Instant Mash Assessment and Virtual Interviews. And it's just a fantastic place. Hiring is a nightmare. Going through and finding people for your jobs is not an easy thing to do. You want to find the best person. You don't want to just find the, the person who appears. You want to find the best person for the job. And with Indeed assessments, you can reduce your hiring time by 12% according to Indeed data worldwide. You can pick what skills are important to you from over 135 assessments and get a clear view of your top talents, abilities, faster. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to update your job post at Indeed.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked, Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions applied. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar, the new holiday dessert, baby. It's the Christmas season now. It's the holiday season. You've got festivities. You've got food coming up over the course of the next little while. Thanksgiving was last week, of course, for our American pals. There's a lot of indulgence going on. But if you want to cut out some of that indulgence and, you know, mix in a little bit of, you know, uh, something that feels like you're being indulgent but not actually, then Built Bar is for you. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. They carry, like, less than half the calories of a typical piece of pie or cake 130 calories in most uh, most built bar flavors just four grams of sugar and plenty of protein you can replace any sweet confection with a built bar and feel happy about it you can share some at your family gatherings you can pa pack them as gifts like a little little stocking stuffer that would be a little pack of built bars and they have limited time flavors arriving all month long at built.com so be sure to check the site often plenty of great things they've got caramel apple 
uh yeah sorry a caramel almond that is right now going on right now that is a delicious flavor it's in my fridge right now they got the built puffs too there's a ton of stuff available for you and of course you can go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 anytime and get the 15 percent off discount from your order that is the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com thanks to built bar for sponsoring the podcast all right let's continue on here and dig into some of the role guys who are just not cutting it right now for the Toronto Raptors. Let's begin with Precious Achua, who I mentioned in the first segment. Last night was as bad a game as we've seen Precious Achua play so far this season. Just five points on one of eight shooting, five boards. The start of the third quarter, they ran the offense through him like a whole bunch, and it ended up kind of working because he got fouled in a couple bailouts by Jaron Jackson Jr. But for the most part, it was just nightmare process, and I don't really know why there's this need to include Precious Achua in the offense all the time, but it's happening and it's not leading to anything good because he's not a good offensive player. He's clearly the worst offensive player on the team. He doesn't really have much of a bag. He doesn't really know, again, where to stand, where to be. He just is constantly clogging things up. And honestly, the Raptors last night got bludgeoned on the glass. They were down. They gave up 18 offensive boards. They were just getting destroyed by Steven Adams and Brandon Clark all night long. And yet still... When Precious Achua fouled out with five and a half minutes left and brought Yuta Watanabe in, I was relieved because I knew, okay, well, this is going to be bad for rebounding probably, but there's going to be life to the offense. There will be some space breathed into things here, and it's just not working right now with Precious Achua, with the starters in particular. I think there's a place for him in the second unit as sort of like this chaos agent flying around, you know, playing against second units and, and not really having to go up against the big bruisers all the time, but... With the starters, he's just not a guy right now. There are some guys who are great at playing with good players and can play off of them. I think of like DeAndre Benbury, for example, last season. When he was at his best, he was playing with the best Raptors players and providing connection between them all. That's not what Precious Achu is doing. He is not a connector in any way. He does not pass. He is constantly looking to shoot. He is a black hole in the Raptors offense right now. And he doesn't do anything to free up his teammates either. He doesn't command attention to pull help away from Pascal Siakam as he's driving, for example. Like you don't see those big to big passes whatsoever because there's just no lane whatsoever to President Chu. He doesn't know where to place himself. He doesn't know where to be the sort of outlet. He doesn't, you know, flash to the nail like, for example, Scotty Barnes or Ken Birch do so well to get those floater range shots. It's just not something Precious is, is attuned to do right now. And he's not a good enough finisher to want to run a ton of pick and roll with him either. You give the ball to him in space, he's maybe going to put it up, probably going to miss. Sometimes he's just going to kick it out of bounds or turn it over or make a silly play, get a little ahead of himself. He just is operating. His body can't quite catch up with what his mind wants to do. And it's just not a good product right now. Again, I think he can work a little bit better with second units because he's chaos, because he can kind of, you know, surprise teams come in and, you know, be like this little bit of chaos and, and all of that. But I just don't think he connects the starters in any way right now, and especially in the way that like Ken Birch does. And for me, I keep finding myself wanting the Raptors to go small instead of playing Precious. They're the same size anyway. Yuta Abe is just as big as Precious Achua. Yes, you're asking Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam to slide up, slide up a position, but I think it's worth it in this case because they're just not good with Precious on the floor right now. And when he comes out of the game, when they added an extra shooter, things just become a lot easier and smoother. That's not a surprise to me. 
you know, I, I think Precious is going to be in the rotation. You know, I, I had mentioned earlier in the season, hey, maybe the G League would do him some good or something like that. I don't think that's happening at this point, but he was really, really brutal last night. His defense was not there either. He was bailed out a lot by Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, who were excellent in help last night. But he demanded a lot of help because he just had no way of dealing with the Adams-Jackson combo in the front court. So, yeah, rough stuff from Precious Achua. Again, I still think there's a lot there. He obviously is capable of really good things. His defense has, by and large, been quite good this year. But just a really, really rough game for him last night. And, you know, puts into question where he's going to slot in once the team is healthy again. I definitely don't think he'll be starting. That'll be either Ken Birch or Scotty Barnes playing at the five. Uh, Speed Mahaluk last night continues to be extremely pedestrian. 18 minutes, three of eight from the field, one of four from downtown. You know, continues to be more of a speculative sort of hypothetical shooter than he actually is a knockdown shooter. And the fact that he didn't play late in this game, you know, lost his spot to Utah, didn't really factor in in the second half all that much at all. I not surprised. Like he just was not bringing it. And you know, the nights where he's hot, they're great, but they're few and far between at this point. And I think Svi is probably in danger of being, you know, nudged below Utah when it comes to the overall wing rotation. You know, I don't think he's going to be the first guy off the bench necessarily going forward here once they're at full health. And I would not be surprised at all if we saw Utah slot into the starting five to, you know, add a little bit more size and defense to the mix and apparently more shot making because Utah had himself a good night. And I don't want to spoil the whole Utah thing just yet because we're going to get to him later. But uh, that's a, a thing to watch, I think, here with Svi Mihailuk, who continues to get the starts, but I don't know if he's really doing enough to maintain, you know, enough of a rotation spot to really kind of get him the minutes that I think most people thought he would get coming into the season. Chris Boucher last night, he had a nice couple of minutes. He had the dunk late in the third quarter to close things out. Uh, and then in the uh, fourth quarter, he had a nice little and one drive and finish. After the game, Nick Nurse was asked about Boucher and his game, and he would, seemed very unenthused. He's like, yeah, I scored a couple buckets. Like, it wasn't like a, wow, what a great return to action for Chris Boucher. No glowing sort of recommendation of his work or anything like that. And so I don't know if Boucher is long for the rotation at all here. This felt like more of a desperation move with Pascal in foul, foul trouble last night. And, you know, obviously Achua not playing terribly well. So I don't think we're going to see more Chris Boucher going forward. If anything, I think we'll see less of him. Malachi Flynn. Boy, oh boy, Malachi Flynn. He is a guy who is going to make his bones in this league as a guy who can run a second unit and get his own shot off. He has to be a shot maker, and he is not a shot maker in any way right now. Two of eight last night from the field, one of seven from deep. The one three he did hit was huge. It was in crunch time, holding it to 90 to 85, I believe, but it just was not enough. And the shooting from him continues to be a real source body. He's at 25% uh, from three this season in one and a half attempts a game. Of course, he hasn't played crazy high minutes, but you know, he's putting them up at a pretty frequent rate. Uh, his three-point attempts per 40 per 36 minutes are right where they were in line with where he was last year at 6.3. He was at 6.5 three-point attempts per 36 minutes last season. So he's putting them up with a plum. They're just not going down. And he is not good enough at the other things. Like he's not a good enough, strong enough defender. He's not a good enough, uh, you know, overall playmaker right now to get by without scoring. Like he has to score in these really offensively starved second units and he's not doing it right now. He got some run last night in crunch time and all of that. That was nice to see that get, get a little bit of trust, I suppose. 
but he really is falling short right now when it comes to offering exactly what he needs to be offering to that second unit. And I'm a little bit lost as to what the backup point guard situation should be at this point. Goran Dragic is no longer with the team. I think he should have been the backup all along. I've made no you know, sort of bones about being critical of how the Raptors have handled the Dragic situation. I think they've mishandled it. I don't think they've deployed him correctly and all that. Um, with Flynn... I think he's got to keep playing because you can't have Fred Van Vliet continuing to play 40 plus minutes, although he did again last night playing 42. But I, I just I'm really, really skeptical. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Flynn and where things are going to round into form here. Ideally, some G League time will be great, but I think they need him on the NBA roster just for that point guard ball handling. And I am a little bit concerned right now about the development track for Malachi Flynn. You would hope the shooting is going to come along at some point. He had his moments last year, but still just thought, shot 31% from three last season. It's not been a real sort of uh, you know hallmark of his game, and that is kind of cutting off all of his effectiveness right now. You had Delano Banton play 15 minutes last night. You know, it's six boards. He had, you know, the team was at its best rebounding when he was on the floor, which is nice. And it's not saying much considering they gave up 18 offensive boards on 57 Grizzlies misses last night. 35% offensive rebounding rate. Not ideal, but... Banton, you know, rebounded fine. I am a little bit concerned about his offense right now, though. It seems like he's been a bit figured out in terms of where he's trying to get to. He's not getting to his spots, you know, very easily. He's not getting to the rim very easily. People are able to wall him off, and he's kind of relying on that pull-up a little bit, and it's just not a shot that you really trust from him right now. He might be destined for some G League time as well once they get back to full health because I think it's getting a little tricky to squeeze him in with the emergence of Yuta Watanabe. As much as we all love Delano Banton, I think maybe that 905 stint is coming and that probably will be a pretty beneficial thing to him if and when it does happen. Uh, and then you have Isak Bonga who played 11 minutes last night. And I find myself very, very concerned when Isak Bonga is checking in. He played because Pascal had foul trouble as well. Um, you know, I don't think he would have played those 11 minutes if Siakam did not get into foul trouble. But just the one point on a free throw, he was 0-2. And he just doesn't really seem to know what he's doing out there all the time. He had a, a, an opportunity last night at a catch and shoot where it looked like he should have had a wide open three. And his feet were like P.J. Tucker levels of on the line. If you think back to the, the number of times P.J. had his foot on the line, except it was like half his foot was over the line. It was like, make up your mind, Isak. Like you're going for a 20-footer or for a three was not a good foot positioning. And that's just like basic stuff. That's just like general role player stuff that you should be good at. And Bonga does not do that stuff right now. I don't really think he offers a whole lot when he's out there. And that's a shame because he's fun in the 905 and all of that. But Right now, he's not an NBA-level rotation player, especially not the kind that this Raptors team needs to fill in the gaps that are being you know, voided by the lack of Ananobi and Trent. So the second unit continues to be the biggest issue for this team. It's not just the second unit. It's the guys now who are filtering, in, filtering into the starting five who are typically part of the second unit. It has been really, really rough, and the Siakam-Barnes-Van Vliet trio can only do so much. I'm not going to bring the graphic back up, but they can only do so much when they're just playing with kind of dead weight in a lot of ways. It's harsh to say, but that really is what a lot of these guys have been in for large stretches of games. Someone who has not been that, of course, is Utah Watanabe. We are going to talk about Utah and his wonderful performance last night and his return to the Raptors rotation in a big way in a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. They have you covered 
all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. You've got all the other sports going strong right now, too. The NHL is in the middle of the season. The NBA, of course, every single night. And you've got, you know, boxing, UFC, Vegas casino games. All this stuff is available for you at Bet Online. You can head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up to today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. So you put in 100 bucks, you get 50 bucks added to your account just for free, just for doing it just for putting into that promo code it's a wonderful deal don't wait and take advantage don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right, let's round things out with your dude of the game. If for those who are uh, unfamiliar with the dude of the game, it is an award we hand out after every Raptors game to the guy who maybe didn't quite stand out as like the most important player or two on the team. We didn't get to talk about him a whole lot in the first couple segments, but he was important nonetheless. And the dude of the game here is unquestionably Utah Watanabe, who finally gets on the board with his first dude of the game win of the season in his third game back. He was delightful last night. He played a total of, uh, what was it, 29 minutes. He had 11 points, 6 rebounds, 3 of 8 from downtown, 4 of 9 overall. His rebounding was really effective. Like the Raptors, again, got bludgeoned on the boards this entire game, but they were at their best rebounding-wise in most of the stretches where Utah played. He played crunch time, and I thought that was the right call. I would have done that earlier in the week as well in, in that Celtics game I would have put in Utah. I know he's on the minutes restriction, but he was at just 13 minutes when they got to the fourth quarter. thought maybe they could have milked a few more minutes out of Utah. And he just adds space that is so desperately needed to this team. He's a good shooter. He gets it up quickly. He's got a nice looking stroke. He's lefty. It's beautiful to see. And it just makes it that much easier for Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet to operate. Siakam had a couple moments last night where he runs into the wall. There's two guys right, like kind of draped over him in, in the paint. He looks over. Utah's free. All right, I'll pass that out. Boom, wide open three. That's beautiful offense. It's simple, but it's beautiful. And it's what the Raptors need. And it's how Siakam really thrives. And that is just a, a, an enormous addition to this Raptors team. Utah's shooting and his defense is also fantastic. Like the Raptors defense has been kind of back to form here. As much as the offense was terrible last night, they defended the hell out of the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies shot just 39% from the field. They shot 26% from three. Yes, they got to the offensive glass a million times. Um, sorry, they shot 38% from the field. I was looking at the Raptors stats. They shot 29% from three. Yeah, they got the, the 18 offensive rebounds sucked, but the Grizzlies are like the Raptors in that they really prioritize offensive rebounding, and the Raptors' defensive rebounding has been terrible. So that's not a matchup disadvantage that I was surprised to see for the Raptors in this one. But Utah out there, like, just he's so smart. He knows where to be. He knows where to help the helper. He knows where to fill in the space that is being vacated by someone else moving to make a rotation. That's the stuff that we haven't seen from the likes of Scotty Barnes, for example, who's still kind of learning that stuff. Utah's been in the system for a couple of years now. And he's just like a really acutely smart basketball player. It's really great to see him now kind of finding his form, getting free, the minutes restriction and stuff like that. Really, really good stuff. And I think clearly was the dude of the game last night. 
And I'm hoping that we see more of him going forward here. I would be totally okay making him the starting two guard if, if Gary Trent Jr. can't come back. And I'm really excited to see when they are at full health, how they use Utah when it comes to, you know, filling in and making that sort of vision six foot nine come to life. Is he going to play next to Barnes and C- and OG and Siakam? Like, could he be a two guard in that group? Do you throw Fred Van Vliet at the point guard, or do you like go super weird and go with like Pascal as your point guard with Utah and OG and Scotty on the wings with like Kem Birch at center? You can get super weird, and he opens up a lot of different lineups, and every lineup he comes into just feels better because of the shooting he provides because there's such a dearth of shooting on this roster right now. Utah is absolutely just like a breath of fresh air. Clearly the dude of the game and really should be in line for more minutes. He should be no lower than like eighth in the rotation totem pole going forward. Honestly, he should be probably seventh behind Ken Birch right now, considering the way his defense just kind of ties everything together. Really impressive stuff from Utah Watanabe and uh, really, really looking forward to seeing where he can kind of slot in now that he's getting more comfortable and hopefully his freedom minutes restrictions and injury management and stuff like that. Uh, and that to me is a pretty good place to leave off today's episode of the podcast. Thank you as always for tuning in. Really appreciate everybody for listening to the show, supporting, telling a friend, subscribing, all that good stuff. We love you. I love you. All that. Uh, tomorrow on the podcast, I have yet to plan what is going to be, but we will be talking about something sort of general. We'll be looking ahead to the Bucks game a little bit. Maybe I'll take a couple mailbag questions. I have a bunch from last week that didn't get answered. But either way, we will have a look ahead to the Bucks game in some way, shape, or form tomorrow. And then on Friday, we will recap the game against the Milwaukee Bucks to close out your week. Guests TBD, but I'm going to try to get Katie Heindel on for that Friday show for the Bucks recap. Either way, thank you so much for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Blue Jays, as Locked on Blue Jays is covering the hell out of the offseason. They have Eno Saris from The Athletic on today to talk about the Kevin Gossman signing, and uh, there's a whole lot going around, going on around your Blue Jays, and Lucas Weiss and Jen Smith are doing a great job covering it over there. So go listen to that. You can also go listen to Locked on Fantasy Basketball as well if you're a basketball head looking to win your fantasy basketball leagues. And with that, we will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.